This is the City of Refuge, Thomaston, Georgia, Sunday morning podcast. The following is a live recorded sermon by Pastor Jeff Deal. Let's pick up where we left off last week, and we're talking about the fact that we are a people of promise, just like the children of Israel were, we are. God has made promises to us. There are blessings out there for us. And whether or not we realize the fullness of that depends on our decisions for obedience day by day. Okay? And so we've been sharing a little bit about the children of Israel and, you know, after they left Egypt and they had been given a promise of freedom. They had been given a promise of abundance. They had been given a promise of their own land. And it would be a place where they would enjoy life as a community, as God's people. And it would be filled with all the sustenance that they would need to thrive as a people. But they lived in patterns of disobedience, which prolonged the realization of God's blessing, impacted how that blessing would play out, and continues to do that to this day. And we were talking in the book of Numbers about how the people uh, complained, and we're going to get to that in a minute, and how they doubted, and how the spies that went in found some problems. But before we go there, I want us to um, look at a scripture in 1 John chapter 1, or chapter 3, verse 1, because I, I just think I want to give you a little good news out of the gate this morning, and then we will talk some about the problems that people were having, and then we'll get back to the good news, all right? And this scripture, if you really absorb this and let it ring home with you, it is really, really powerful. It, 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 because there's so much hope in it, and there's so much good in it, and there's so much of God's abundant promise for his people in it. And John says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. Man, you could stop right there and should be good for the day or a few days. See what great love the Father has lavished. It's, it's, it's such a, an abundance of love. It's so extravagant. It's a lavishing kind of a love. It's not, it's not weak. It's not impotent. It's, it's real. It's heavy. It's life-changing, transformational that we should be called children of God. Man, what an opportunity. What an opportunity and how tragic it is that we all have that opportunity, but some of us choose to reject it, right? Because it's here for all of us. Every person in this room, you need to know that this love that the Father has is for you and that you have an opportunity to be a child of God. Just like me, just like anybody else in the room. It's for you. And that is what we are, he says, and puts an exclamation point on the end of it. We are the children of God. The reason the world does not know him 
or does not know us is that it did not know him. So if you're like me, you just sometimes, you get to thinking about the world and the stuff and the craziness, and you just shake your head because there's just so much confusion that comes with it. A big question, why? Why do people think the way they think? Why do they behave the way they think? Why do they embrace this as truth when it's so obviously a lie, you know? Why, why do they try to incorporate this and, you know, as, as part of a wholesome, good, honest, fulfilling life when it's evil at its core and it's pretty obvious to anybody who is a kingdom dweller that it is evil at its core? Why does that happen? And then the, the world looks at us like we're crazy because we believe in this creator and we believe in this power and we believe that he has, has and continues to do a phenomenal, life-changing, eternal work in us. And they think we're crazy because they don't recognize us. They don't have the capacity. They don't have the vision. They don't have the spiritual insight to recognize the people of God because they find it impossible to recognize the work of God because they're spiritually blind. They're blind. They don't know us because they don't know Him. Because when you, you commit yourself to knowing Him, that brings light. It brings revelation. It brings understanding. A massive problem in the world today in politics and philosophy and theory and opinion and all these movements and these trends is that there is a lack of understanding. It, behaving out of ignorance. Making decisions that affect the whole world out of ignorance without understanding, without knowledge, without a spiritual insight. They don't know God's people because they don't know God. It starts with knowing God. So I would just challenge you today that step number one is you got to get to know God. There are some of you in the room, I know this without a doubt, who have a pretty poor opinion of yourself. You've got, you are self-critical. You find fault with yourself all the time. You know, I, I do it sometimes. You know, I'll, I'll do something uh, dumb, and I'll just say, man, you're dumb, right? I'll call myself stupid. But, but really, I'm not just talking about that situation by situation where you make a mistake or whatever. I'm talking about a lifestyle of being self-critical and, and not thinking that you're worth much and not thinking that you have much to offer. The reason, now listen, here's the truth for you. The reason you have a poor view of yourself is because your view of Him is clouded. That's where it starts. Because if you are not seeing God clearly for who He is and what He brings and what He's able to do, you're never going to understand yourself very well. And so if you want to get you figured out, get your relationship with him figured out. Forget about you. Forget about how you need to fix this and you need to do that better. Forget about how you need to improve in this area and you're so terrible in this area. Forget about all of that. Work on your relationship with Him. Replace every thought and every mumble and every grumble that you have toward yourself with a prayer to Him. With a, a thought of meditation about Him. 
Blessed is a man who does what? Meditates on God's words day and night. Because then what happens? That person becomes like a big, beautiful, productive tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth fruit. And if you are a big, beautiful, productive tree by the river bringing forth fruit, you're going to see that in yourself. And you're going to stop saying, I'm worthless, I'm no good, I'm terrible. Work on your relationship with him. Well, that ain't what I'm here to preach. I don't know where that came from. But. Now, let's go back to Numbers chapter 13. If I was going to give a title, which I don't usually do, to what I'm talking to you about this morning, it would be this in Southern vernacular, you ain't no grasshopper. Okay? You ain't no grasshopper. So stop throwing yourself in the category of grasshoppers. What are grasshoppers worth? You know, people say, well, it's one of God's creations. We ought to love it. We ought to respect it. We ought to not squash it with our foot. And I'm not, I'm not one that thinks we ought to go squashing bugs with our feet unless, you know, they're just being annoying. Then squash them with your foot, whatever. So, but a grasshopper is a first cousin to a locust. Okay? And locusts God chose to bring a plague on his people, on the people in Egypt, right? So, you know, if you're looking at yourself as a grasshopper, you've got a pretty poor opinion of yourself. And so the context here is that the Israelites have gotten to the precipice of crossing over into the promised land. And they have sent spies into the land to figure out exactly what's going on over there. And the, the spies come back, 12 of them. And it says, they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers to who? In our own eyes. And we look the same to them. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. We developed a really, really poor opinion of us. We're going to make the decision now to forget about what God has said about us. And we're going to start to believe what the enemy says about us. We're going to ignore God's perspective on us. As described in 1 John chapter 3, that He loves us so much and values us so much that He allows us to be His children. We're just going to put that aside. We're going to ignore that. And we're going to embrace the perspective that the enemy has on us. And the enemy's perspective is that we're like grasshoppers. We offer no threat to anybody. We're tiny. What's even the point of our existence? We're a nuisance. We're invaluable. And we decide, that's how I'm going to feel about myself. I'm just a grasshopper. They lacked proper belief. 
Remember two weeks ago, those of you that were here, when I just hammered this word believe over and over and over. Because we know the promises are there. It's in black and white, literally, for everybody to see. Everybody can access it. We know the power of God because we've seen the power of God demonstrated. You are sitting in the power of God right now by being in His creation. You are experiencing the power of God by drawing breath in and out of your lungs right now. We know about the power of God, but the, the key to realizing all who, of who God is and what He has to offer is the belief. How much do we believe that what He has promised that's still out there is actually going to happen? And it's a mystery how we can look back on the works of God and still have trouble believing the promised works of God that are still to come. But we must believe. And their lack of belief led to a wrong view of God, as I said before, which led to a wrong view of themselves, grasshoppers. And let me tell you what you do. When you have a wrong view of God, and therefore develop a wrong view of yourself, is you start to shake hands with the enemy and to agree with what he's saying and what he's doing. Because there are two plans for your life. There are always two plans from, for your life from the time you're born. One plan is God's plan for your life. The other plan is the enemy's plan for your life. Every human being is going to end up inside one of those plans, God's plan or the enemy's plan. And when we behave in any kind of way or think in any kind of way that is contrary to the plan God has for us, we are agreeing with the enemy's plan. We are shaking hands with the enemy. We are coming into covenant with the enemy. We are saying we are choosing His plan over God's plan. And when the children, when the spies come back and they begin to share information with the people about what they saw, they are going through the greeting line, shaking hands with the enemy. We believe, listen, God has given them a promise. You ever think back through this story in backwards succession? About how they were prisoners in Egypt, slaves, under somebody else's government in a pagan land, working under a hot sun to do somebody else's work, to prosper somebody else, and how they'd been doing that for about four centuries. And then all of a sudden, God shows up and says, I'm going to deliver my people, and I have sent a deliverer. Here he is. And how this process happens of God sending plagues to teach the Egyptians that he was serious and to teach the Israelites that he was alive and real and working on their behalf in all his power. And they had witnessed it with their own eyes, being right there. And then they were led out 
through a series of miracles. And then Pharaoh changes his mind. He starts to chase them. And they come to the Red Sea, a big body of water. And they're trapped between the sea and the Egyptian army. What's going to happen? And they witness the power of God over creation to raise the waters up out of that sea bottom so that they could walk through on dry land, not even bogged down in the mud. It was dry instantaneously. The power of God, the miracle of God. And they witnessed it. They experienced it. They lived it. They were in it. And they walk out on the other side. And before you can blink twice, they're grumbling and complaining about this man who has led them out here to starve in the wilderness. And they see food miraculously drop out of heaven. And they watch as the soles of their shoes do not wear out as they walk mile after mile after mile. And they're the beneficiaries of a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. My gosh, what do you need? And finally, after 40 years, they, they finally get there after what have been, should have been just a few weeks' journey. They finally get there to where they can see the promise. And they start lining up to shake hands with the enemy. They don't believe. After all that, they still don't believe. Let me tell you something. You're sitting on a chair in this room this morning as a result of a miracle of an all-powerful God. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. He brought you here miraculously. He's kept you alive miraculously. He has given you His Holy Spirit, which is a daily miracle. <laughs> that we don't have to live this thing out on our own. That we don't have to figure it out with our own intellect, our own giftings. And so they're shaking hands with the enemy. And they develop this perspective of themselves that's born out of the perspective the enemy has on them. Right where the devil wants you. Right there in his camp. If I can just get you to see yourself as less than God sees you, mission accomplished. If I can just get you to devalue your importance, mission accomplished. If I can just get you to veer off just the slightest bit from your understanding that God's promises for you are real and that He has lavished His love on you so much that you have the opportunity to be His child then the enemy has accomplished what he's trying to do. Stop shaking hands with the enemy. I pray that leaving out of here today, every time you have a negative thought or speak a negative word or grumble under your breath about yourself, that you are checked up hard in your spirit and remember these words. Stop shaking hands with the enemy. And what do they do? So, you've got two of these spies who are saying, 
No, let's go. We can do this. We remember. We saw it. We lived it. None of that matters. You know, when God has given a plan and a promise, and there's a blessing at the end of it, the rest of it don't matter. Now, you still have to live it out day by day. You still have to make God choices every day. But the circumstances are not allowed to dictate your pathway. Once you're on a pathway to promise, no. But nobody's listening to them. You know what? And I saw this stark contrast this week as I was studying this. How there's this talk, talk, talk that's going on among the people. Just this jabbering, you know. Let's look at... um, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. He says, But you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, The Lord hates us. So He brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt in fear. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there. Oh no. The terrible Anakites. The enemies of God have now not only instilled fear of them into the hearts of the Israelites, but they have instilled in the hearts and the minds of the Israelites this twisted, perverted, opposite plan from the one God has and making them say some of the most stupid things you've ever heard in your life. God delivered us here so He could have us destroyed here? You know, uh, God worked all these miracles for our benefit, for our blessing, only because He had this ulterior plan to allow these folks to wipe us out once we got to the blessing. Um, you know, that, that ridiculousness is still being played out today. And there's this prevalent attitude sometimes even in the church that, that the blessings and the promises of God are not pure. They're only pure to a point. And this is what the serpent convinced Eve of in the garden was that, yes, God has had and has a plan for you, but once you get to this point, we need to alter the plan. Because God's plan is good, but it's not 100% pure. We need to help Him. God needs our help, right? Uh, No. They're mumbling, they're grumbling, they're in their tents, they're gossiping, they're complaining, they're talking, 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 talking it to death. And you got the two spies, right? The two men who have embraced what they've known and seen and lived in. And their focus is not on anything the enemy can offer, but what God has to offer still. And do you know how much talking they do? 
Look at Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people. What a great idea. Just shut up, please. All you're talking this to death is not helping anything. You know, usually our talk serves to increase the negativity, to increase the anxiety factor, the worry factor. He silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it Period. End of quotation. That's it. There ain't nothing else to talk about. There's nothing else to talk about. Yeah, he's coming from this perspective. I know the power of God. I've seen the work of God. I've experienced the work of God. I was involved in the miracles. So we should go take possession of the Lamb because we can do it. The end. And I, and I was thinking about our society today. How there's so much talk, talk, talk about everything. We need to take a break from the talking. I believe. I know I do some. We just need to, you know, you, you ever heard of talk shows? What are they for? Talking. What good ever came? I don't know, maybe some little good somewhere. Started back in the days of um, Phil, what was his name? Who? Donahue. And, and then you had uh, Martell and Moselle and Oprah and uh, who? I, I don't know, I don't even know. Jerry Springer, that's a good one. Let's talk about that. You'll leave that place feeling real happy and good about the world, won't you? <laughs> Geraldo, there was a talker. You have any kind of an incident that happens in America. Talk, 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 talk. Every channel you go to, there's just talking, talking, talking. You remember when the O.J. Simpson trial was going on? You put that TV on any time of the day, 24 hours a day, somebody was on there talking about it. And now we have the almighty social media where you can talk to anybody whether you've ever laid eyes on them at any time, night or day. Talk, 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 talk. And it's all over the world, just this talking. And I don't think it's helping anything. You have chat rooms. What are chat rooms for? So you can chat. Talk. You know, I remember when I was a kid that we sat down at the dinner table at night with the family and talked. And that was good talk because that was about what happened in the school day. That was about the call they got from the principal, which was not necessarily good talk, but that was about things going on in our church and our community. That was about our other relatives. It was almost always about good, wholesome stuff because my father would not allow 
negative, controversial, any kind of communication whatsoever at the dinner table that was going to disturb the peace. And if you tried that, you were going to get your peace disturbed in ways that you didn't want it to. Maybe we ought to just get back to the people that are close to us and our families and you guys, the community of faith, and, and let's talk with each other about good stuff. Let's talk about the blessing. Let's talk about the promise. Let's talk about our belief. Let's talk about the miracles of God. Let's talk about how we can certainly do what He's calling us to do because it's His call and He's anointing the call and He's resourcing the call and He's preparing us to realize the blessing that comes at the end of the fulfillment of the call. The people ended up in trouble because they spent too much time sitting around talking about the problems and rationalizing and complaining instead of getting up and going. Just get up and go. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2 and then we'll finish back at 1 John chapter 3 with an exclamation point. Paul says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Let me, let me pause right there and say this. We, don't, we all know about the political environment in our nation, right? And, and we have our place. We have our opinions. We have our uh, perspective on all of that. We know where we stand. But as believers, we need to be careful to not fall in the camp of those who are guilty of complaining and arguing and grumbling. Right? Because that makes us as guilty as the people on the other side that we think are wrong in their opinions. So, if your opinion is right, your opinion is right. Be comfortable in that. And live your life as an encourager and as someone who chooses not to argue and not to grumble and not to uh, get caught up in controversy. Because we're called as kingdom sons and daughters to shine light. And that kind of negative communication and activity does not shine light. It contributes to the darkness. If you want to sit down with somebody with differing opinions from you and have rational, adult, productive communication, I'm all about that. You should. But this business of just watching the news and then yak, yak, yakking all day long with whoever will listen about how we feel about it, that's not going to help you. It's not going to help them. It's not going to help the situation. Measure. Let's measure how we talk, what we're saying, our attitudes and our communication, our tones. And do everything without grumbling or complaining so that, why? So that we may become blameless and pure. This is the process. It's the pathway. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. So we know it's warped and crooked, but we can live in a warped and crooked generation and still be the blameless and pure children of God. 
then you'll do what? Shine light. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Paul is saying, hey, I'm teaching you this. I'm, I'm trying to help you understand the heart of God toward this. And I don't want to end my life feeling like I wasted my time that I'm exhausted from trying, but nobody was listening or nobody was responding properly to the truth. Do these things and you will become blameless and pure children of God in a warped and crooked generation. And you will shine light into the darkness. And I just want to read 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 one more time before we go. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know Him, know us, is that it did not know Him. That's who you are. Leave here knowing that's who you are. You are important. You are valuable. You have something to bring to the kingdom movement in this world. You are a giver of light. You are a perpetuator of hope. You are here to help create transformation in people's lives. And you're as important as anybody else in this room. You're as important as anybody in the City of Refuge organization. And God wants to fulfill His plan in you so that you can realize the promise and the blessing. Amen.